Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 42 of Buds and Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Berlin. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays, we just took care of business against the Kansas City Royals. We won three out of four, and we've now reached the unofficial midway point of the season as the Blue Jays are now heading into the All-Star break. Any thoughts? Overall, my overall thoughts are very, very up the middle. Like a, like a naughty, not a hard comebacker, like a dribbler up the middle. And there were the second baseman's going like this, chasing after the ball kind of, kind of thoughts. We definitely had a worse start than I thought to the season. It's going to be, it has to be a good second half for mm-hmm. this team to be successful and to reach the postseason. There's a lot of good teams in baseball right now, especially in the American league. We saw Seattle and the second half. I've never seen a team do Quite that well, right up until the All-Star break. They're on fire in the Yankees. I mean, as, and on this channel, it's almost blasphemy to say, but they're the best team in baseball right now. Oof. And I don't know if that's going to change. Um, we got potential to do good things, man. We our, our team is full of young guys, full of crafty guys. We have a new skipper. Mm-hmm. We're turning over a completely new page, dude. And I think we're going to like what we see second half, but... We got a little bit of time to think about it. Mm-hmm. We got the all-star game coming up. We got a little bit of a break. This is time to kind of sit back, make small adjustments, and hopefully come back just on fire, man, because we do need to light it up before the trade deadline and into August. Is there a team that needed the all-star break more in baseball than the Toronto Blue Jays? Like a lot of their guys seem to be battling with these nagging injuries. There was like the trouble in the clubhouse, which led to the Charlie Montoyo firing. Like I think this Toronto Blue Jays team needs a break more than any other team in baseball because just something to sit back, refresh, and don't think about baseball for a few days. Just come back and get fully ready because we're going to need a big second half, like you said, if we're going to come over these teams and uh, secure a spot in the playoffs. So a lot to look forward to going on there. Oh, super excited, Jesse. Of course, on this channel, we cover every series. This will be our last one, unofficial first half of the year. Then we'll have our all-star episode. Mm -hmm. And then, like the Jays, We'll grind it out the rest of the year and hopefully and begging the Jays to bring us some good news. We want I want to be standing here with the broom at least three more times this season. (laughs) I thought it was going to I thought it was going to happen this one. To be honest, we didn't start it off the best. But hey, you know what? We salvaged the end of the year and we're going into the all-star break on a winning streak. Yep, that's right. Jays won three out of four against the Kansas City Royals to make a five and one homestand, which was desperately needed. And uh, honestly, we're beating teams and on paper we should have beat. So that was good. Game one of this series, the Jays lost this one three to one. Kevin Gosman made his return from his ankle injury and Kevin Gosman looked just like Kevin Gosman of old. Did think Jays hit balls hard off of... Um, Zerpra, the rookie that uh, Kansas City called up because they needed to fill their team because they had, had so many people on the restricted list. And uh, they were just finding gloves all game. So the offense couldn't get going. Matt Chapman did hit a solo home run, but that was all the offense the Jays can muster as they fall on this one three to one. Game two, Blue Jays win that one eight to one. The Jays offense came back around in that one. We had three run home runs from Teoscar Hernandez and Matt Chapman. Alec Manoa does what Alec Manoa does. And uh, he was quite solid right in the ship again. And then game three, this was a wild game. The Jays won six to five. Jays gave up two runs in the top of the 10th inning after Jordan Romano gives up a home run, only to score three off four straight base hits in the bottom half to win this game and sneak it out. Max Castillo gave up three runs over three innings pitch, but aside from that, the bullpen was pretty good, aside from the home run that Romano gave up in the top of the 10th there. And in game four, the game that happened yesterday, the Jays won four to two. Brios gave up two runs early. The Jays battled back with two of their own, and then it was kind of locked in a stalemate until our all-star, Alejandro Kirk, had a clutch two-run home run in the eighth inning. 
to break that game open and to win the game for the Blue Jays and to secure a series victory. So where the Jays stand right now after this series, we are 50 wins, 43 losses. We're 14 and a half games back to the Yankees, and we are currently sitting in the third and final wild card spot, just two games ahead of the Boston Red Sox. So let's take a, like, to take a moment to think about there and kind of reflect on our first half. Like, is this where your expectations were for this team that we'd be, you know, six games, six and a half games above 500 and we'd still be in a playoff spot or were your expectations higher for this club? I mean, I think back the truck, Jesse, I think both our expectations were much higher, man. Yeah. I mean, it's not something you want to see. We're in a dog fight. There's, there's two other teams that being the Rays and the Red Sox that are right with us. And it's going to be like that for the rest of the year. Like I said in previous episodes, um, I think, 60 games in, you can kind of tell where teams are going to fall in the rankings. Usually the fifth place team isn't going to be a pennant winner. You know, it won't shuffle around that much more. You're either going to, you know, expand your lead or like us right now with the Rays and the Red Sox, we're fighting for, we're fighting for spots right now. And there's some other good teams, Seattle being one of them that are fighting for these wild card spots. Um, of course, expectations are higher. I mean, I mean, on paper, we are so much better than what we've performed with the whole, our bats going cold. I would say about five, six weeks ago, could be seven mm-hmm. weeks ago. There was a big stretch where that was happening and uh, our starting pitching without uh, next episode, we're going to get into that. We're going to dissect it, rip it right apart. Yep. But I expected our pitching to be quite a bit better. Barrios and Kikuchi are mainly the culprits for that. Right, yeah. However, I mean, you can't knock, so far, I can't really knock guys like Vlad Guerrero. Yes, he hasn't been hitting 30 home runs up to this point, but he's still played very above average ball. Lourdes is still a 300 hitter right now. And I mean, Bobachet, still a decent first half, but we know he can do a lot better. Guys like Kirk Espinal, absolute spark plugs. I love those guys. They're X factor guys. They they're Kirk made it possible that we're even right here right now. He's won a lot of games for us and deserving of an all-star game spot, obviously. And Espinal filling in that spot too. But yeah, Jesse, of course, expectations are going to be higher. They should be a lot higher. I expected us to be 15 games above 500 is, is what my thought was, but clearly I think we're going to cut that number right in half. And we're just, we're going to have a good second half. We're going to have to have a good second half mm-hmm. on paper. I still think this blue Jays team is better than Tampa, better than Boston, better than Seattle. It's just, you don't play baseball games on paper. That's the problem. And uh, the Jays have had some tough luck losses and, you know, some underperformance or some like issues where they haven't been able to perform in the clutch. And that's kind of brought their record to where they are today. So I agree. Let's get into the series here though. And let's talk about the players that, uh, that impressed us just in this last series against Kansas city. Cause we can't forget about that. And the first one I will say is let's give a hearty thumbs up to Mr. Tay Oscar Hernandez and welcome back. Mr. Silver slugger. He had a home run and four hits in this series and coming off a series against Philly where he had two home runs in that one too. So a really great homestand from Tay Oscar Hernandez. And since June 1st, Tay Oscar Hernandez is hitting 315, 358, 583, with a weighted runs created plus of 162. Like, Teoscar is back, and he's showing no signs of slowing down. Like, honestly, he's turned into, like, Jose Bautista without, like, maybe the 50 home run ceiling with a guy who can go into the 30s. Like, and that's been huge for Teoscar's development. And I was thinking about this when I was watching the Apple, I think it was the Apple, um, the Apple broadcast feed that they did. And Hunter Pence was just raising about Teoscar Hernandez saying like, this guy, not only does he hit well, he hits for power. He's got the batting average. Like he also steals some bases and he plays good defense. Like Teoscar Hernandez might be regarded as one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. 
I believe that was Pence's exact quote, Jesse, mm-hmm. to take it from you right there from your mouth was he might be the most underrated player in all of baseball. And the Jays have a lot of them. I feel like as Toronto fans, I focus a lot on the American League East. I know the American League East players, but I feel like outside of Canada, even the Yankees, they don't they don't see Tay Oscar like we do. The Red Sox right. fans, the Rays fans, you know, I mean, don't even count the Angels fans out or Oakland. They don't know nothing about Tay Oscar Hernandez, but. For me, we know what he is. And yeah, he is, he could be a savvy base dealer at times. He's sneaky that way. Um, he has a, definitely a plus arm out there. I'll admit that his glove isn't, you know, fantastic. I don't think he'll ever win a gold glove, but it, it definitely gets the job done for being a corner fielder. And look at how he ended the half. I mean, he had a double dong in game two. I mean, that's pretty good and a good way to end the homestand. He was our best player in the homestand. We don't want to recap the last series as well, but including this one, Jesse, mm-hmm. Tay Oscar was our best player uh, throughout this six game homestand. Yeah. And or, absolute, so, yeah. yeah, absolute nails from Tay Oscar Hernandez. Another guy we wanted to give one up to, and Riley, I'll let you take a talk about this one. Uh, how about your third baseman, Mr. Matthew Chapman? Hell of a series. Eh? I, I, our third baseman. Yes. He's not, he does not belong. He does not belong to me. Although I do have rights as he being. I he was my favorite player before any Jays fan was. He was their favorite player, so I'll take that title. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anytime you can get back to back home runs from Matt Chapman, that's a good thing. That's that just means, and it could have easily gone other way. He could have had four flyouts. The warning track. It doesn't matter. Um, Jesse, I think uh, I'll tell you this because you've said it numerous times and I've agreed with you numerous times. Now you're about to agree with me that I, I believe it. I have a great feeling that Matt Chapman is going to have an exceptional second half of the season. I think that his bat looks great. I think that his strikeouts are cut down just a little bit more, mm-hmm. especially in the home stand. He wasn't striking out and he's a guy who will still take walks. I think he's got a quite a good eye at the plate, but yes, he does take some good hardy cuts and swing and miss. But to remind you guys out there, this is what, this is what 2020s baseball looks like is you have a high strikeout and high home run ratio. And Matt Chapman is just one of those guys. This is some of the league's best guys like that. And let's not forget that this guy's a platinum gold glover. I don't care about, I'm an eyeball test guy. I don't care about the statistics. Oh, well, he technically is having a worse average year, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, he's making some plays that no one commenting that could make up. And I, he's, He's a top three defender in all of baseball at third base. You just, you can't deny that. Yes, he has made some sloppy throws at times, but honestly, that's going to happen. Let's play the percentages of this stuff. Like it's just going to happen. Brooks Robinson, who won, I think 17 gold gloves for the Baltimore Orioles back in the, in the sixties and the seventies, he made throwing errors. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not calling Matt Chapman Brooks Robinson by any means, (laughs) but third baseman, it's called the hot corner for a reason. You're going to make errors. And we've all watched these games that Matt Chapman's playing third base. Um, he is just so fluent out there. You love to have him on third base. And, and to get back to it, to take talk about his defense a little too much. Yeah, two home runs in, in the last series before the All-Star break. You love to see it. That tells me that I believe he's going to have an exceptional second half of the year. Yeah, you talk about Matt Chapman's defense, and even the defensive metrics still like say that Matt Chapman is still pretty good. He might not be like best in baseball anymore, but he is still an above average defender. And I don't think we're going to see that disappear anytime soon. Riley, according to the metrics, though, uh, I think it's defensive run saves. There is one Toronto Blue Jay who is better defensively than Matt Chapman. Can you name who that player is? 
on the squad right now. On the squad right now, this season, yeah. Oh, it's it's got to be their Springer or Kirk. <laughs> it's it's none of the above. It's Santiago Espinal in terms of defensive runs. Whoa, actually hey. graded out as a better defender than Matt Chapman this year. But uh, we'll talk about Espy a little later. But going on to Matt Chapman's bat, like I'm right. We talked about I think the, when the Jays were in Kansas City way back early in the year that we thought you know the Matt Chapman breakout was coming and. We haven't really seen it yet, but we've shown signs and glimpses. Like a lot of pitchers are attacking Matt Chapman by trying to throw that fastball up. And Matt Chapman has done a really good job of being almost like able to tomahawk that pitch and then still able to hit some sliders. Like a home run he hit in game one of this series today was like a slider down and away that he just kind of threw the bat head out there and sent it over the left center field fence. So there's some signs here for Matt Chapman that he's really turning things around. And hey, if you look at his season numbers, he's up to a 100 WRC plus, which is exactly league average as a hitter. And if you look at the lineup when their A lineup is out, if Matt Chapman is your worst hitter in the lineup, like that's amazing because that's going to mean good things are happening here for this Blue Jays team. So I'm with you. More big things for Matt Chapman in the second half. Yep, I believe it, man. And it, it's soon it's soon to happen, man. After this week, I will be talking about him, hopefully giving him a lot more thumbs up, Jesse. Now we'll squeeze in, I believe, one more thumbs up, Jesse. Who are we squeezing in? We did win three out of four games. So this was a this was a challenge to actually select these players, Jesse. Who was the last guy you wanted to discuss? Yeah, there's probably a better candidate for this, but I wanted to give some love to what Trevor Richards has been doing out of the pen. Since he came back from his quote-unquote neck strain that he had, uh, Trevor Richards has actually been really good. He's thrown seven innings. He's only given up two hits. Now, he's given up four walks, which is a little high, and we talked about before he went on the IL that the walks were an issue from Trevor Richards, but he hasn't allowed a single run, and he struck out 12 batters, which is kind of rare from a guy who throws, what, 92-93 with a big curveball? Like, the Jays' bullpen has really needed someone with strikeouts, and I'm not saying Trevor Richards is going to be that guy going forward, but for the past two weeks or so, he has been that guy, and he's really provided John Schneider with just, you know, not so much maybe a high-leverage guy, but a guy you can throw up there and reliably have a good chance to get you out of an inning, and he single-handedly has helped the Jays stay in some games over this last two weeks, so thumbs up to you, Trevor Richards. He did. An unconventional one. I, um, I do like a good bullpen, and mm-hmm. it's very seldom do we talk about our bullpen being good and actually giving them thumbs up unless your name is Adam Simber or Jordan Romano. Right. So to sit here and talk about Trevor Richards, a low 90s velocity guy racking up the strikeouts, that's that's good. Like he was a reason for winning these games, holding holding the lead. I mean, that's important because he's it could have easily gone the other way. And if it did. He'd be in the thumbs down column. It's as easy as that. But yeah, the turnaround from Trevor Richards. I mean, that's it's promising to see because the worst thing we want you want to do is cut a reliever that's and bring thing, up right? a guy who's unproven. I mean, hey, not the flashiest job to be a middle innings relief pitcher, but when your numbers can back that up, it looks really good, Jesse. When you're a reliever and you have a good stretch of games, like your stats, I mean, almost look like a closer, right? When you're not used in closer roles, I mean. Take Trevor Richards for these the two, three games he threw in. Like, his numbers look great. Yep, and that's what you need, season, honestly. They For the rest of the season, they don't look great, but hopefully this is something that kind of improves, his numbers improve, and he goes out there and throws kind of what he did against KC, and our problem solved there. Now, I don't think he'll adapt into a setup role. I think that there's a very fine line with a guy like Trevor Richards mm-hmm. for the high leverage, maybe not his thing, but 
for what we needed him to do in this series. Yeah. There's a reason we're talking about him in the thumbs up column, man. Yep. He's done ex- pretty much. He's met our expectations and the Jays are going to need a guy like that just in low leverage to come in and get outs. And Trevor Richards has been doing that. Riley, I think it's time now we're going to move to a thumbs down here that we have the Boba Shett conversation. So the Jays, <laughs> yeah, the Jays are sending six players to the all-star game in Los Angeles and Boba Shett is not one of them. Like Bo has been fine this year. We've talked about how he's been okay, but he's still what? 24 years old. We had a great season last year where he led the American league in hits. We kind of expected more from Bo Bichette, to be honest. And he's, I'm starting to really wonder if he's going to turn into the superstar that we thought he could be. Like he only went two for 18 this series. He only has two home runs in his past 22 ball games. A 103 WRC plus on the season has him pretty much a league average player, maybe slightly better. And we've talked all year. The main issue with Boba Shed is that he's not drawing his walks. He's swinging at way too many pitches out of the zone. Now, he still does some things really well. He's Bo Bichette. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. He's had these good seasons. Like his hand-eye coordination is still really good. In fact, he's leading baseball in foul balls so far this year. So whatever that's worth. Maybe he's just I, not striking no, su- no surprise there. No surprise <laughs> yeah. there at all. Like watching these games, you can tell that, yeah, it's just swing and a foul, swing and a foul. But I've noticed that when Bo- the first pitch of an at-bat to Bo Bichette is a ball and he is ahead in the count 1-0, and his slash line is 360, 441, 585 for a WRC plus of 190, which is amazing. So if Bo Bichette could just get ahead in the count more often, he could be so much better of a hitter. So we know it's here. We know that skill set is still there for Bo Bichette. It's just so frustrating that we haven't been able to see it consistently and put it together. And that's what bothers me about Bo Bichette. And until he makes that change, I don't know we're ever going to see this elite, amazing player. I'm no pitcher, Jesse, but let's hypothetically say that I'm on the hill facing mm-hmm. Bulbashet. Yeah. And first pitch, I'm throwing him a slider low and away. Yeah. Because and- I know he's going to go at it. He goes at that yeah. one. Now, you know, there's and the, the, maybe the fastball up. Those seem to be two pitches for me that he's swinging at a lot. Maybe not recognize cutters and sliders. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not the curveballs. It's not the changeups. It's like it's it's more of the from a right-handed pitcher, it's more the pitches that go away. And you can famously say that he's probably not only has the most foul balls in the game, but also the most swing from the other side of the batter's box too. (laughs) that, that, that plate, the, the, whatever you want to call that kind of swing. Um, no, let's, let's get something straight here, Jesse. Uh, when Bobachette came up, there was a lot of poise. There's a lot on this. Mm-hmm. You got a son of a major league ball player. You got, he's a big personality. You got the hair, the looks, the swagger, everything to go along with it. Okay. That's good. That's, that's a confident ball player. Someone who's like that. Okay. Now those, those are personality things and maybe like a reputation. Those are good. That's good for his confidence. Could be good for his game. He goes out last year. Exactly what you said. Leads the American league in hits. If, if you lead the American league in hits, and any time in your career or any category, really, you're a good ball player. You'll be in the major leagues for quite some time. Right. This year, he looks like, I'm going to be honest, a completely average ball player out there. But mm-hmm. I know he's not. I know this is Bull Bichette. And he has looked very, very good on occasions. His power to the opposite field, his ability to take the ball to the opposite field and put bat on ball is, I would say, in the top five whatever percentile in major league baseball he is so good at putting bat on ball but his pitch recognition and pitch selection needs to be way way better and of course 
Not going to harp on him for his defense, but obviously everyone's defense should get better. But let's just say, <laughs> especially Bo Bichette's could be just a little bit better too. He, Hey, this year, I'll be honest, he's really surprised me that he's actually, he's he's performing better than I thought he would. Let's just say that. I mean, when Bo Bichette was a prospect, there were a lot of scouts that thought Bo Bichette's never going to be able to play shortstop in the big leagues. He's going to have to move to second base. Like, there's not a chance. Well, he's proved them wrong. He's played shortstop. Maybe not the best, but he's been fine at shortstop throughout his major league career. And, you know, you'll take that for Bo Bichette. It's just the thing with this issue here, too, is that the mistakes just seem so fixable, you know? And maybe it's just you don't want to take away the aggressive mindset because maybe that's what makes Bo Bichette so good. But, like, if he could just be more selective, just be more patient, like, there is going to be a much better hitter here. And it's just that's what's really frustrating about it because you see the skills. You know the skills are there. You see the upside. You know it can happen. It's just, it's not. And that's what drives us nuts about Bobochette. Yeah, that's uh, honestly nailed it to a T. Um, and also the thing too, uh, <clears throat> he could have, Semyon came here last year. He could have easily played second base, but I'll tell you one thing. The coolest guy on the team does not play second base. He plays shortstop. <laughs> Bobochette is one of those swagger guys. And I like that about him. Um, I do like him at shortstop. And I hope that, you know, he works through the kinks. It's a development thing. He's going to work out his tools at the major league level. He's Jesse, he's going to get better as his career progresses. I hope so. I know I, I, there's, he's one of those guys, man. He's going to get better him and Vladdy for sure. Kirk, those three guys right there, we're going to watch them blossom into consistent all-stars, silver sluggers, you name it. Bobachet just still needs time. He's still very young. We forget about this Jay's team are hard on them because they're so good, but they're still very young and mm-hmm. inexperienced. Yeah, they'll get there. Uh, Riley, just really quickly, we can move on from Bo Bichette now here. We'll talk about him more as the season goes on, I'm sure. But uh, what's your thoughts on John Schneider? He's now managed six games as a Blue Jay. And do you have any major takeaways? I know it's tough for six games, but any thoughts? It's honestly, it's a small, it's a very small sample size. Four and two is not a bad record. Mm-hmm. Four and two is not a bad record. I think record he's five and one, hold. actually. Yeah. Or f- five and five and one, five and one. Five and one is not a bad record to be holding right now. Um, that's... I think over 80% or around 80%, whatever winning percentage. Um, he played, he, he, he coached and managed a lot of these young guys in the minor leagues. So I could see this being a good thing and working out now. It's just, it's more that month for me right now, where it stands is Montoyo isn't there. And this, the shakeup is still very fresh. So now it's kind of on the players. This is very much on the players, Jesse. And again, I believe that they're going to fall through second half and they're going to make this manager shift change look exceptionally brilliant from the front office. Because if they don't, I mean, then the GMs are going to, you know, they're going to lose out there because you've assembled quite a good ball team. Yes, Mm -hmm. you can't prevent injuries and such, but the guy that's injured right there on the mound maybe hasn't been throwing the best ball out there i mean it doesn't help that you know jansen being an all-star caliber player played four games this year it feels like (laughs) and you can't use them so we're working with what we got right now for john schneider he's working with what he's got which is a good ball team and they're playing at the best they can for right now just before the all-star break i mean 
If it's don't broke, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I like when Vladdy's batting two and yeah, and the Kirk's lineup change was the big thing. Yeah, that's the Jesse. If that didn't happen, I was going to come on next. It should be. It should always go from net. Like this is, I know you're the analytics guy. I'm mm-hmm. old school. I want the big power bat to bat cleanup and your best hitter to bat third, but. I think that it's got to be Springer, Vlad, Kirk, and then Bo. I think that's yep. that's Agreed. the new generation thing, and I agree with I agree with the the lineup change one hundred percent. Keep it like that, because if you win with it, if it's not broken, don't fix it. We're winning with it. Don't change it. Mm-hmm. I agree. Speaking of the All Star break, the Blue Jays are sending six players to the All Star game this year out in LA, which is going to be great, Riley. Which is the second most the Blue Jays have ever sent. Um, can you name what season the Blue Jays sent the most All Stars? to the all-star game oh man there's got to be 1993 yeah you nailed that that was an easy question 93 the blue jays and seven all-stars to the all-star game so hold on hold on this is not rehearsed i bet you so got to be all a rude alomar yeah i can look it up in two seconds keep spinning out now well i'll just tell the folks at home who i think alomar all a rude joe carter um I'm sure um, I'm sure for pitchers, they had uh, Dwayne Ward go. So that's four there. I think maybe Juan Guzman was an all star. They had Dave Stewart. And I don't think Henderson had been traded by that point. So I'm missing one more guy. Oh, Devon White maybe was an all star as well. Devon White, Dwayne Ward, John Allerud, Paul Molitor, Pat. Paul Molitor. Yeah. uh, Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar. So, yes. Well, it could have been any. Uh, hey, it could have been anyone from that team. And you ask me an easy question. I just throwing out it, that whole team is one of the greatest teams of all time. But well, statistically speaking, then this Blue Jays team is the second greatest team of all time because we are sending Alejandro Kirk, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., George Springer, who won't play. He's going to take some time to rest and stuff, which I think is the best for George Springer. Uh, Santiago Espinal, Alec Manoa, and Jordan Romano are all going to the All Star game. And honestly, you could make the strong case that Kevin Gosman should be there as well. Uh, Bo Bichette has been an All Star in the past. I know he hasn't put up for this year, but he could be there. And even Teoscar Hernandez, if he didn't get hurt, I'm thinking he's probably an All Star too. So. What nine all-star caliber players for this Blue Jays team? Are you excited to see him tear up the weekend in LA? Yeah, I'm very excited. And throw Jansen on that list if he didn't get hurt too, because I I, I am a big Danny Jansen fan. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll be honest. I actually watched the celebrity softball game <laughs> so um, the I. other night. <laughs> did you? Yeah. Oh man, that's hilarious. Hunter Pence just about took one over the left field wall. Mm-hmm. They were oh man, that um I was really I was really rooting for um Whatever team that J.K. Simmons and, and Brian Cranston, the, the L.A. team there, I was really yeah. rooting for the old boys there. Both um, both big time baseball fans, both big bi- guy or big time Dodgers fans. Um, it's fun to see as far as the the pop culture references and people, I could care less. Right. I don't know. I don't know or care who the hell Bad Bunny is. I mean, he didn't have rabbit ears, so I don't know who he is, <laughs> um, but I did know he pinch hit. uh twice for Vlad and brought in Vlad and Ortiz, which is super cool of that being Vladimir Guerrero senior. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I much better to see them bat than um, the rabbit guy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It's entertainment. Um, now the big boys are going to play. We got the Derby coming up. Unfortunately, no Jays in the Derby, Jesse. I kind of like that. There's no Jays in the Derby. Yeah. Well, there's a, for those people who don't know, they, uh, there's always this fact of, oh, well, the, there's people say, oh, the derby ruins your swing. 
Well, it really shouldn't, Jesse, because it's like throwing batting practice. Like, mm-hmm. it's it just kind of funny. Last year it was in Colorado. So people were hitting 800 foot home runs um, this year in L.A. It'd still be entertaining. I remember last year in Colorado and no, it wasn't wasn't 800 feet. It was five, 500 plus. Actually, I think Juan Soto uh, launched a new record. Not very mm-hmm. surprised at that. Uh, it should be fun uh, for the boys that are playing in the All-Star game, though. Remember, it doesn't mean anything anymore because home field is decided. Otherwise, not the all-star game. So play safe. Don't be a Pete Rose out there. Don't break anyone's shoulders. Right. Have fun and play safe. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm I not much about it, but it's just it's just gonna be exciting. A lot of Blue Jays being represented at this at this game. It's gonna be fun to see. Riley, last night was the MLB draft, at least the first round. And let me tell you, man, I love MLB draft season. All yeah. I really did was I read a few articles, I listened to some podcasts, and I looked at some stuff online, but I always get pumped watching the draft and all this stuff happens. And I want to say, Riley, you and I weren't drafted last night. So I think something's wrong. I got to take this up with my agent or something. Maybe they couldn't sign me at the right slot value. I don't know, but uh, you and I weren't drafted and that's a crime. Yeah. Uh, see, I'm actually projected to go, I think 36 round um, mm. as a, <laughs> okay. as a left, left, left fielder at a Bloomfield state. Um, I, th- I no, it's fun. I, I like, I like, young prospects and seeing what's going to come through the pipelines eventually. Um, honestly, didn't know a ton about the draft class. One thing I love about the Blue Jays and one thing I love about baseball in this generation of baseball is the amount of father sons there are. And I'll tell that you, I made, a tw- I, I made a tweet. I don't know if you saw it, but I was predicting my favorite baseball player of the future. And I bet you that at one point will be Drew Jones, who is the son of probably one of the best, defensive outfielders of all time, Andrew Jones from the Atlanta Braves, the absolute legend. And you know what? I bet you, I think he's the best player of this draft class. I believe Matt Holliday's kid. I watched a couple clips on Jack. I think his name's Jackson. Yep. I think, I think he'll be a hell of a ball player, but you watch this drew Jones kid and he's going to be something very, very special. I'm still, you know, still, it's still curious and excited. There's still a lot more, you know, drafting to go. The the MLB draft is so unique in that there are, I believe, 40 rounds, Jesse. Yeah, not as much they anymore. Changed, They've changed I, it to I, CBA. Yeah, did they? Yeah, uh, since the COVID shortened season. But there's a ton of rounds in, yeah. the, in the MLB draft. And it's, it's incredible. You know, some of these guys, um, you know, that are picked in the top five might never make it the show. But then you get a guy in the 17th round who who makes it at his age 27 season. So it's, it's, it's exciting, man. It's almost like a, it's a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. Well, let's talk about some of the guys that Blue Jays pick. They had four picks on day one. They had pick 23, pick number 60 and picks number 77 and 78. Now those last two were comp picks for losing Robbie Ray and Marcus Semyon in free agency last year. So with pick 23, the Blue Jays took left-handed pitcher, Brandon Barriera, um, from American Heritage High School. Now, here's what Fangraphs wrote, and I'm going to tell you a little description about uh, Barriera, and you tell me what you think about this, okay? Mm-hmm. He says, Barriera looks like a shorter Ricky Tiedemann at the same age. So we love that already. <laughs> He's got a low three-quarters lefty with a perfect pitcher swing. The physical projection that comes along with it and a slider that features so much length that at times, Barriera can't control it. 
He will typically sit 93 through 96, and his feel for location comes and goes, with the pitch often sailing up to Barrera's arm side. He has a stiff front side throughout his delivery that looks like it sometimes prevents him from finishing out in front and locating his fastball. Some of his sliders, though, are absolutely ridiculous, and Barrera can vary his breaking shape. Um, through, again, his command is them is pretty loose. He can also create tailing action on his changeup from his arm slot, though developing his changeup is probably a distant goal, much less important than refining his fastball and breaking ball command. If you're inclined to bet on those things and develop base frame athleticism, ease of delivery, which I am, then Barriera is a mid first round prospect with mid rotation ceiling. That sounds great. And I assume they have, them. they have them drafted. I'm assuming as a starting pitcher, mm -hmm. those descriptions to me sound like a closer. See, that's what I thought too. He's a left-handed pitcher. So I don't know if he will close, but I screamed reliever, like high leverage reliever oh, when I saw this. Yeah. Oh, totally. You, I mean, it's concerning as the, doesn't know where his slider is going to go, but movement over control for relievers for me. If I have to choose one or the other, I'll take a guy who throws absolute gas and has just a lethal drop on a sinker, a slider, a splitter, whatever his secondary pitch or pitches are. I'll take the movement. If we can develop him to go, develop him to go seven innings, then that's great. But if not, I think the worst case is a guy like this is definitely a bullpen arm man because if you could throw, what did he say? Between ninety three and ninety six, and he's still young, and he can touch. You Touch 99 this spring as well. So, I mean, don't blow your arm out, kid. I would take, I would take that speed off. Yes, velocity, sweet, and the scouts love it. The coaches love it, but your arm doesn't love it too. Save yourself, man. You know, pitch, pitching is, it's a battle. I never pitched, but I'm sure I wouldn't have been very good long term because I would have threw as hard as I could every time. So, yeah, it's a, hey, it's a smart pick. You got a mid 20s pick. You take a lefty reliever that can throw gas and has an absolute, you know, gust of a wind come in and move his slider. So that's that's pretty good, man. That's not a bad first pick. Yeah, the Blue Jays are absolutely going to try to develop him as a starting pitcher, though, until he fails, like your typical relief builder. They're a starter until they prove they can't be a starter anymore. And there's a chance he gets into that same development program that Ricky Tiedemann had. And we're talking about Brandon Barry area as a top 100 prospect in MLB and a guy who's going to be in our rotation long term. So I'm excited about that. Uh, Riley, really quickly, I will touch through the rest of these guys here. Um, at pick 60, the Jays take a shortstop, Josh Kasevich from Oregon. He's six foot two, 200 pounds. He had one of the lowest strikeout percentages in Division One baseball at a mini school, 5.6%. So that's kind of like Alejandro Kirk territory with how little he swings and misses. Um, his swing is balanced, compact, well-timed, and results in a ton of low-lying contact. He played shortstop at Oregon, and while he makes some slick plays there, he doesn't really have the range to play it at the big league level. He is best when he's moving right to left and fielding and throwing. So third base, where he can be positioned as such, he can do this regularly, is probably the best pro fit and should be above average there. So doesn't seem like a ton here. A good, just guy who doesn't swing and miss, good contact rate guy who gets, you know, he's probably not going to be a power threat, but, you know, he might hit for batting average at the big league level and play good defense. Three-tool guy, develop him. I'm sure he'll do his dues in the minors and maybe see him up. That's why I see three-tool guy there, Jesse. Yeah, the reason why we probably picked him there a little under slot is so we could get this guy at pick 77. We got switch-hitting shortstop Tucker Toman out of Hammond High School. Now, there is some buzz on the internet about Tucker Toman. He was MLB Pipeline's 35th-rated prospect, so the fact we got him at 77 seems like a huge win for us. And here's the scouting report on him. Tolman is a huge switch hitting bat speed, though more from the left side than the right. He had a rough stretch in the middle of his showcase summer. Then he righted the ship down in Jupiter, Florida towards the end of the season. His contact to whiff ratios aren't bad over a large sample, but the dramatic nature of some of the swing and missing is a little concerning. He has 40 defensive hands and actions, but is workable at second base and should start there in pro ball with left field as a fallback. There's big variance here, but it's so rare to find a switch hitting infielder with this kind of present power and long-term projection. So Tolman's ceiling is quite large. This seems like your big 
boom or bust player. Like this guy could be Chipper Jones for goodness sake, or this guy could be phased out before he reaches double A. So big swing here. But if Tucker Tolman hits, that's huge for the Blue Jay system. I think that's why you double up on the left field. And you said too, like the Chipper Jones comp, because he, he played a little bit of left field in his career as well. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Uh, of course, that would be the top of the ceiling for him, but not bad to double up on the shortstops on the picks there. I do not disagree. And I think they had the next pick just after that. Yeah. They took a uh, right-handed hitter, second baseman, K Doty out of LSU. He's a power hitting infielder without an obvious defensive home. Doty's on paper bat to ball skills look a lot better than the visual elevation of his hit tool. So not a really a lot scouting report on him. I, I'd be surprised if he uh, really comes up here, but I want to touch back on Tolman a little bit too with something he said. He said, player development is really huge for me. And that was my number one. He said the Blue Jays were his team he wanted to go to because he really likes the Blue Jays player development system. And that sounds like a lot of what Bo Bichette said after he was drafted in the second round. He was like, you know, I really like what the Blue Jays do with developing players. I think the Blue Jays can get the best out of me in my swing. And that's what Tucker, uh, that's what Tucker Tolman said here. So love that sign. Well, it's better than a whole Eric Lindros thing or, uh, you know, Deion Sanders. Like, if you draft me, I'm not putting on the jersey. I'm not playing a game, blah, blah, blah. If you're happy to be on our system and we have the great coaches for you guys to work with, then, yeah, we'll take it all day, man. I would suck to be drafted by a team you wouldn't even want to take part of. Well, for me, I'd just be great to be drafted in general, whatever. But if you have a preference and you get selected by them, then, hey, you know what? You're off to a good start in your um, in your professional baseball career. Absolutely. That'll do it for our episode here today. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We went a little bit long today, but, you know, we had a lot of stuff to talk about. We were excited about the first half. We had these draft prospects to get to, so no shame, no foul there. Um, thanks, for everyone, tuning in. Later this week, we're going to do some big-picture stuff, probably like a nice hour-long episode and reflect on the uh, – the, the plan that Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro had talk about them, talk about the more of the coaching staff, some more prospects. So all the big stuff, big picture stuff for the Toronto Blue Jays, which we will do later this week. Um, Riley, that's it. We've done half a season of this show, ready to buckle up for a grind of what should be a very exciting second half. Ready to go, man. It's going to be a lot better in the second half because I really think that it would be almost impossible to do worse than we've already did with the guys that we don't have. say that. <laughs> <clears throat> Knock on wood. No, we'll be all right, Jesse. I don't have much more to say for the episode. I mean, I think we got a lot. It's uh, we we covered the draft. Busy times, though, guys. It's it's gonna get crazy here. We're almost into uh, we're almost into August. I cannot believe it. The deadline is upon us. Yep, month I away. Mean, the All Star break's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, it's. A lot's going to happen, guys. Stay tuned. Watch the games. Watch us at Bud's Blue Jays. Follow us on Twitter. The whole the whole nine yards. I mean, we're in it to win it. We're here for the, for the wins, the losses. And you know what? I think that great things are going to happen, Jesse. I don't know about you, man. I think that we're going to have good second half. I hope so, too. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back later this week. Thanks, guys.